Hey guys, we're the Sobo Tours and again, welcome to another episode. Today we will be recording about people you're gonna call. When there's something strange <laughs> in the neighborhood, <laughs> who are you gonna call? <laughs> there you go. Now I guess you know what we'll be Hooray. talking about. Yay! I'm Anja. I'm Mai. I was and I'm, <laughs> I'm Misha. You bosses go baby voice, but Ah, sorry. I'm <clears throat> I'm Mai. There I'm you a go. mature adult. <laughs> I'm Misha. Ghostbusters. I'm... <laughs> How can you not like the Ghostbusters? Ghostbusters are awesome. Yeah. Hmm. Ask Misha. Check out in Misha's Instagram page. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Please check out Misha's Instagram at Misha Lecaros. He has like, this awesome video. <laughs> yes, Isha, for our listeners, can you tell them what you have? So I was minding my own business when Toy Kingdom called me up to say to ask me if I wanted this Ghostbusters gun. And I was like, yes, yes, please. <laughs> no hesitation. No, that was easy. No, because it was like, it's like 30% off. And then they had a sale. It was like another 10% off. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, yes. Just send it to my house. So I, I, I guess. Guns. So I yeah. tested it on my dog. <laughs> Your dog's not a ghost. Dexter, for that day, he was a ghost. <laughs> I asked him very nicely. <laughs> oh yes, he did ask in his video, to be fair. Are you a ghost? <laughs> yes. But, but, but now it backfired. Because now every time he hears the damn thing powering up, he thinks we're going to play. Oh. Yes. <laughs> so I, I, I guess feature. now our listeners know who the biggest Ghostbusters fan is. Uh, Lord, I've been watching these guys since I was five years old. I watched so, the yeah, reruns. It was, it was a while ago. <laughs> yeah, we watched the reruns. <laughs> we watched the reruns. But in, in my, but in my defense, <laughs> I started on the cartoons before I ever saw the movies. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. I, was, I was too young to watch the movies mm-hmm. before. Yeah, but then again, you know, Mai and I just watched the reruns of the cartoons too. <laughs> <laughs> and the movies. Because like the first one, I wasn't even born. And Same I think- here. <laughs> I was one. <laughs> yes, but now we will be talking about the latest Ghostbusters movie, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yes. So, and what did you guys think about it? <sighs> Feelings! Whoa! whoa. <laughs> I did not. Feelings. I, I didn't expect that. Feelings. Yeah, I, I was just um, in for it and I did not expect this whole nostalgia trip along with it. It's like I was really not expecting it. But it, oh, in a good way, in a really good way, it surprised me. I did not expect, okay, I'm going to say it right out here. I did not expect to cry that much. <laughs> you know what? Can, you know what? Same. You same. know what? It's the same thing with me. Actually, Misha caught it before. The both of us did. And he actually messaged me. He was like, you have to watch Ghostbusters Afterlife. I swear, I cried. And then I said, oh, that's nice. Misha really enjoyed it. Because I knew that Misha was a Ghostbusters fan. And then I caught, I saw it. And then I started messaging Misha. Misha, what the fuck? Why am I crying this much? <laughs> Dude, even my mother was crying. What the hell? <laughs> it's just, you know, like, it's a way of picking up, from thir- picking up on a 38-year-old franchise and somehow kind of continuing from it and reboot, soft rebooting the mm-hmm. whole thing for a new generation of viewers. Yeah, take that Matrix Resurrections. <laughs> that should not have been resurrected. <laughs> yes, that it's... is true. 
Uh, I, I, I was surprised by the amount of love that went into this movie because mm. you can like really see it from the very beginning. Mm. It's easy to reference things like the score or iconic props, sound effects, music, but to do them in a way that does justice to what came before while still finding a way to entertain people who have no idea what happened 40 years ago. I mean, I, I think the, the balance was there and a big part of it came from the fact that it was directed by Jason Reitman, the original director's son. Yeah, when you go back to the when you go into the backstory, I'm, I might start crying again. <laughs> yeah, do you know what else? Well, I know. Can you tell us something more interesting about his work uh, on set while directing this movie? Yeah, Jason Reitman, the director. Like usually, we we know him for like small character-based dramas like Juno or Moon. So this is the first time he actually tried to do a blockbuster, but he really, really wanted to do this properly because he wanted to make his father proud. His father was. Ivan Reitman, the director of Ghostbusters 1 in 84 and Ghostbusters 2 in 1989. And his father was actually a producer on this film and he was on set every single day while they were shooting this thing. So can you imagine the pressure? Like, you know, you got your family legacy. His words, not mine. It's his family legacy on his shoulders and he's got his dad next to him making sure he doesn't fuck up. Well, yeah, but then again, he was the one who asked his dad, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, he was. So, so, like, he was shooting himself in the foot to begin with. <laughs> it was an uphill <laughs> climb. I would, you know, that. How scary is that? You know, um, for years and years, this was Columbia TriStar's highest-grossing film ever, Ghostbusters. It was the highest-grossing film of 1984, and it was the highest-grossing comedy until like Home Alone eight years later. So he had a big leg, big shoes to fill, basically. And the fact that it was created with so much love for uh, an actor that passed away. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, Phil, those shoes he did, this was such a great movie. It was so much fun watching, you know, seeing all those little um, anecdotes to the first two movies, you know, those, those callbacks were just, you know, subtle, but still there. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Add, and add to the fact that the, the new characters are also charming as well. And they're, they're kids. I did not expect that. Kids are usually hella annoying in movies. Mm-hmm. But no, not, not here. It, it kind of like I, I told Misha because we caught it like we caught it ahead of, of, of Mai. So when we were just messaging each other about um, Afterlife, I said like this movie felt like the Goonies, you know. It, it, in a good way. In a good way. Because it, it's rare to have, you know, to have that to have a good movie that's Goonies like, you know, to but then they were able to achieve it. While also, you know, linking it to an older franchise. So just like, so with these kids as new characters, can you tell us a little bit more about the story, Misha? So the, the movie opens in a small town, like in the middle of nowhere. And you see somebody who's clearly meant to be an elder version of Egon from the original movies, the, um, the smart Ghostbuster. And he's running away from some horrible demonic force. And basically, he dies. He dies in the first five minutes. That's not a spoiler. <laughs> and you never really see his face, but you know it's him, right? You get the silhouette. And well, the hair, the, especially. The hair, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. you, you, can't, and, you can't ignore the hair. And then we're introduced to his daughter, apparently, who he abandoned years ago. He left the mom. And she's got her own, uh, the daughter now has her own family. She's a single mom. And she goes to take over Egon's old farm. And her daughter is like, basically, you know she's Egon's granddaughter from the very beginning. <laughs> she had the hair. 
She has the, the hair. Thing. She's got the whole yeah. deadpan thing. The terrible she's got jokes. The glasses. <laughs> the nerdiness. Yep. And as the granddaughter, uh, Phoebe discovers more about the strange old town. She also finds herself learning more about her grandfather and realizing that he wasn't just some crazy old man and that there's more to this small town than anybody even knows. So yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, and I I love how um, the whole thing was set up to kind of like portray, at the beginning at least, it was set up to portray Egon as maybe an asshole for abandoning mm-hmm. his family. Also, yes. he's got this reputation in town for being this crazy guy. Everybody called him Dirt Farmer for some mm-hmm. weird reason. Because he was this weirdo who had his own world. Who had mm-hmm. his little mm-hmm. gadgets and conspiracy theories that maybe people never understood. Right. So and that it opens like, up like that. And then there's like the people that they meet in the town. You know, there's this… Um, there's this kid. His name is Podcast. That he's just <laughs> he's so my interested favorite. in it's, everything. He's I, kind of awesome. I, I love Podcast. He, he could have been so fucking annoying. Yeah, like oh, call me Podcast because I call myself Podcast. But no, he was just effing charming. Yeah. And 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 Finn Wolfhard is here as Phoebe's brother, and he's not annoying either as the emo elder brother who's trying to score with a local girl who has a boyfriend <laughs> who is also older than he is. Mm-hmm. And then you got Paul Rudd as the summer school science teacher, and he's just the most useless teacher ever, but he's kind of awesome also. Hey, you I would Paul enjoy Rudd. his class. I would enjoy his class. He would just like force the kids to watch movies. <laughs> yeah, it, it, old horror that. movies. You know what? He yes. should have been handling a science class. You know, he should have been handling a film 101 class. <laughs> that's all that he did. It's like, have you guys seen Cujo? It's like, okay. They can or watch Child's a horror Play. movie about a monster dog. It's like, no Crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. Poor kids but, didn't learn a thing about science. Yeah, but you know, just, probably had just a good to give taste you guys context about mm-hmm. how excited I was for this movie. I mean, honestly, Ghostbusters is the first thing I can ever remember loving, and that's not even an exaggeration. Um, I knew the words to the theme song before I knew the national anthem. Okay, <laughs> stuff like that. So, <laughs> so, and I, I remember, you know, I remember how excited I was. I think I was like six or seven. My parents got me a proton pack and it was like the best thing ever. And honestly, like, I mean, even when like Extreme Ghostbusters came around, the spinoff to the first cartoon I came out. I loved that in series. The, that was like the late 90s, I think, you know. It just woke it all up again. My my love for this franchise, honestly, that one of the like one of if not the first DVD I ever bought was Ghostbusters, and then later on it was Blu-ray. I still have VHS tapes somewhere. Like the first thing I ever bought on eBay was a fucking Ecto one, like a vintage one. Was, <laughs> so that was like 1999 he's, or he's something. He's just flexing on his collection right now. I know. No, I know. I just. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm surprised you know. he's not wearing his new proton pack right now. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I fell in love with the cartoon, and then it was later on that I discovered that it was based on a couple of movies. And the first one I saw was Ghostbusters two, and it fucking scared me because fucking painting came with life. <laughs> and you know, as a child, that's fucking terrifying. But it was just cool because I was seeing these things like. This was a cartoon that I was already a fan of. By the time I saw it in live action, it was like this amazing, you know, not um, exotic thing. And I was like, holy crap, you can do that in real life? I, I, it looked real. I thought it was real because I was an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you were a child. It's okay. But, yeah. What, I mean, and, you, you, you make 
do with what you had back in the 80s. But but later on, I saw the first movie. Thank you so much, asshole. <laughs> Jackass. But no, but I, I, I went, I eventually discovered the first movie. Because again, I saw the second one first. And I just completely fell in love with it. And there's a reason that people can still quote it almost four decades later. Because it was just this weird lightning in a bottle thing where you had like, you know, an eight uh, at the time, a blockbuster comedy director with his crazy talented cast of SNL and Second City TV veterans. And they were just the right people at the right place at the right time. And it really shouldn't have worked. Comedy and horror don't always go well together. Mm -hmm. But with the level of snark and sarcasm and then at the time groundbreaking special effects. Nobody had ever seen anything like that before. At least not only one place. Mm -hmm. So you can see why it appealed to people, I guess. You know, what's even more impressive is that when they were filming the first Ghostbusters movie, they were, they were behind schedule with the VFX mm -hmm. back then. And I think they were struggling. I think they, were, they literally had the, the film rolls hot off the presses delivered to the films, uh, to theaters. I, th I think part of the reason was because like they said it would I remember like when some, somebody interviewed Ivan Reitman and they asked him how did you get this movie sold and he was saying that um, people weren't sure whether or not it would work and so when he was asked how much it would cost he was just, he was just fed up he just gave a stupid number he didn't expect anybody to say yes and then the studio said yes he said like, oh, $30 million. And then they're like, yes, but you have to have it out in 11 months. They're like, shit. <laughs> so, well, yeah, force the good. He had to come up with a story with Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. And they came up with some good stuff. But a lot of the best stuff was basically let Bill Murray do whatever the hell he wants. Oh, it's Bill Murray. God, I love him so much. And apparently Ernie Hudson, who played Winston in those old movies, he had trouble because he comes from a traditional theater background. Everyone around him was from improv or stand-up. <laughs> so every take would be different. He's like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> That's what I love about improv. It's just you reacting with no script, just based on knowing your character and just playing off of each other. And it just worked so well. Like, it, it really highlights chemistry if there if ever yes. there is chemistry. I totally agree. Totally agree. And something else that's fun about those old movies, the first two movies, is that they are such love letters to the city of New York, honestly. Like, to this day, New Yorkers, they, they you know, this is one of their favorite. This is one of the quintessential New York movies. And even the firehouse where they shot the exteriors of the Ghostbusters, um, you know, the Ghostbusters headquarters, to this day, they still put up their, their, their logo actually is still the logo from the movie with a fireman's helmet. Mm -hmm. And they actually put up the old no ghost sign every time there's a big geek event in town because people still come every day to take pictures in front of it. And actually when Harold Ramis passed away in 2014, people were leaving flowers in front of the firehouse. Aww. And they still do that now um, on the anniversary of his death. They did it again when the uh, when Afterlife premiered in December, uh, November, December last year. So yeah, it's kind of like a you know one of those cool things. It's it's that, funny how you mentioned the word love letter because you know this the way I see this movie that it was a love letter for Harold Ramis. Yeah, definitely. Like, yep, and, and it was just the perfect way of um, revitalizing or reintroducing this 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 franchise to a new generation. Because when I saw it, I was like, oh, it could actually stand alone. 
think mm, if okay. you if you just watch it yeah, without definitely. watching the first two movies, it can stand alone. Um, you know, it's it's an isolated story. You know how some movies pick up from um, with characters who are who have hang up from the previous generation, and this is one of those movies. So mm. without really trying, without really watching the first two movies, you will still enjoy this. You will still mm-hmm. the story is still complete. It's it's just a testament of how good the writing was and how good um, Jason and Jason Reitman was and how much of a good call it was having his father on set. As stressful as it may have been for him. <laughs> I think he just enjoyed the process. I mean… It's entirely possible. Because yeah. his dad has done blockbusters. You know, his dad was like the producer yeah. of Space Jam. He, um, um, he directed a bunch of movies. He directed um, Kindergarten Cop, Twins, Junior, you know, the two Ghostbusters movies. And so he was used to like big stars, big budgets, big movies. So I guess it kind of helped to have his kid having him around. Yeah, I yeah. think you're right. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. sure it definitely helped. And of course, to have it's just like having the author of whoever wrote a certain book of a blockbuster you have on your side. It always, um, it's always good to have that point of view of probably asking this person, would this character do this? Would this character do that? And how things turned out for the original generation of Ghostbusters, which we will probably discuss later on, <laughs> just made so much sense. Yeah. It, there was not one moment where I was like, Egon wouldn't do that or Ray yeah. wouldn't do that. It is absolutely true to its character, even though it is like 30 years after the fact. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of cool because it's kind of like a passing of the torch. <sighs> Yeah, it's a generational thing because yeah. there was the passing of the torch of the characters, you know? And then, of course, Jason Reitman picks up from his father's work. You know, it's kind of symbolic in a way, you know? It's pretty cool. Uh, we've talked about what we loved about the franchise and about this movie in general. Let's talk about the characters. Which characters did you guys enjoy the most? Did you guys hate anyone or any of the characters? There was absolutely nobody to hate here. (laughs) Yes, Phoebe's cool. I want to be. I want to be Phoebe when I grow up. What? (laughs) No, I don't. What? I I think you have some years on her. (laughs) Just kidding. But no, she's she's spunky. She's she's sarcastic. She. Act- she's actually pretty freaking cool. She like, is. I w- she, she is. I like that she's comfortable in her own skin. Yeah. It's like, I'll do what I want because this is me. Like mm-hmm. she knew it and she knew she had science down to her bones. I, I also like Paul Rudd <laughs> as Mr. Gruberson. Oh, of course. <laughs> he was uh, just Paul Rudd as himself, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, it's, it's kind of uh, amusing how… Uh, Paul Rudd was probably the most recognizable name. Just mm-hmm. straight off the bat, if you look at the poster or the trailer, he's the most recognizable person. You'd, you'd think that he's the selling point. He's probably going to steal the show. But mm-hmm. no, he was actually one of the side characters. Not really minor, but the side character. Mm-hmm. And he is not the star. And it still worked. He was kind of mm-hmm. like the Rick Moranis of this movie. Comic relief in <laughs> a, a way. Yeah. yeah. Kind yeah. of. But the kids really drove it home. Yes. It's funny yes. how you said you mentioned the word um, scene stealer, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this podcast 
podcast. I mean, podcast, podcast is cool. show. Podcast is like the funniest kid I've seen in in you know in a long time. I don't think I don't think I've seen a kid with that great you know that that sense of comedic timing. Mm-hmm. He, he did so well. And um, yeah, like Misha said, it's so easy for this nerd who has a podcast who talks about mm-hmm. conspiracies <laughs> and paranormal stuff to be just like written off as the weird kid. Yeah. Weird, yep. annoying kid. But he just brought a whole level of charm to it. And mm-hmm. uh, so, it, and how this friendship forms between him and Phoebe, they're both kind of like smart for their age. I guess they're both, they're outcasts, I guess. A little bit, yeah. I guess. Mm. Well, no, no. I, I, well, kind of like odd outcasts, but I think oh, they're oddballs. both very, com- yeah, oddballs, but they're both very comfortable mm. with their, with yeah. who yes. they are. Like, yes. At a young Agreed. age, they knew who they were, which is, which is refreshing. You know, it you, is. Yeah. Because you usually have and these it, it, characters being bullied by popular kids in, you know, in stereotypical kids' movies where school is involved. Yeah, they, yeah they're going to be made fun of. But there was none of that here. And they were just allowed to be who they are, which I like, really appreciated. Like the Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters were bullied. Yeah. By the by the by the city of New York, by the government, and even by their <laughs> old school. That's why they went into business for themselves. They got thrown yeah. out of their their university for being yeah. scam artists. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 it's interesting that you say that you mentioned earlier how podcast and Phoebe are okay with being themselves because you got somebody like Trevor, who the 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 elder brother who's played by Finn Wolfhard. Oh, I thought you were talking about Ben Kingsley. He's the. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Trevor, but, the actor. Trevor and Trevor, he's an actor. Wrong <laughs> no. franchise. Um, see, see, Finn Wolfhard's character, he's like your typical teenager who um, basically will say anything to get laid, honestly. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Lie he doesn't about know. His age. He'll, he doesn't know who he, what he is, what he wants or whatever, other than he wants to get laid. But he's basically, you know, he's, um, he's a teenager. He's still f- trying to figure himself out. That's why it's kind of funny that the kids who are younger than him, they're happy with who and what they are. Yep. But he had the driver's license though. (laughs) Yeah, he did have the driver's license. (laughs) And I don't know, big curly hair runs in the family and it's pretty awesome. (laughs) Yeah. That's true. Uh, There's there's somebody within this movie that I did not expect. I mean, slight spoilers, but… I didn't expect to see J.K. Simmons in this movie. Holy shit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, uh, what I, the fuck? And he <laughs> even plays this… Uh, not even a character in the older movies. He's literally a line. One line. Yes. He's just he's, the guy who built Sigourney Weaver's building. But, you know, plot, he, we never line. actually saw him before. He's yeah. a plot device in the whole movie. Yes. <laughs> then he he is. shows up for like two seconds. Like maybe J.K. Maybe Simmons, th- I think man. Before he splits. <laughs> uh, he died in the most violent way possible though. In one of the most violent ways possible. That was cool though. Still awesome. I mean, yeah. J.K. Simmons. I know. You know, you know what character I also found myself enjoying? Was the spiritual successor of Slimer. Oh, the little blue worm <laughs> that thing. That muncher thing. I, that muncher when, that's so dangerous. When I saw it. It really is. 
when I saw it, it was, I was like, holy shit, did Slimer also get old and gray? <laughs> like everybody. No. But no, unfortunately, it wasn't Slimer. I was a little bit disappointed when I realized, oh, it's not Slimer. But he was so pretty cute. Mm-hmm. He was. Mm-hmm. Actually, to and be fair, because Slimer's OG, this one's a little bit cuter than Slimer, but Slimer is OG. Slimer is OG, but yeah. yeah. He was a good successor, to be yeah. honest. He was cute when he was and flying around. And eating Something random was, metal stuff. And, and Something kind of, that's fun is like, if you're one of those people who had who just got so fucking sick of Frozen, like one of the vocalists for me. Muncher was actually Josh Gad. <laughs> really? So it was very satisfying to see him get blasted over and over again. <laughs> Take that, Olaf. <laughs> <laughs> he was so cute though, just munching his way around. And, and regurgitating it to kill people. And, it's like mm-hmm. a machine gun. Mm-hmm. And he has amazing <laughs> comic cool, timing. The, the comic mm-hmm. timing of that fire hydrant scene where he's just like munching it and then he sees the kids <laughs> and like a <laughs> short pregnant pause and he just like unleashes <laughs> hell on the kids. Yeah. <laughs> and can, can I just say like, again, we mentioned earlier that Jason Reitman is like traditionally a director of dramas, you know, ca- introspective character pieces. That was a kick-ass car chase. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. very well done. I don't like. I don't know where he pulled that out of, but that was pretty cool. I I, I like the fact that they made improvements to the Ecto One because the Ecto One is also a character. <laughs> yes, it, it is. is. Like, the, it's the, one of the, the, the dorkiest designs ever, but I love it. Dude, they, and they the weirdest did. sirens ever. It's yeah, so I mean, weird. Mm-hmm. It's iconic, and it's you, it is. <laughs> you build a patrol car out of a freaking hearse. <laughs> it's right up there with the DeLorean as far as, you know, immortal movie cars go. And yes. that was actually the original one. They restored it for this movie. Aww. Which is… Except the for the bits where, you know, they were like jumping it and driving it through fields. Apparently, what they did was they took um, a pickup truck with 4x4 drive. And then they just mapped the Ecto-1 onto that because they could not risk the original one yeah. for the more dangerous I stuff. I understand. But that was a really fun scene though where um, mm-hmm. where Finn Wolfhard <laughs> or Stranger Things Boy or yeah, Stranger Tre- Things Boy <laughs> or Fine Trevor. I actually really enjoyed <laughs> that sequence where he finally got it to run and he was just like mm-hmm. driving it through the fields and you could see yes. he was having such a good time. Yes. And I felt like… I felt like I was have I was in the car having fun with him, just riding it, and he was like banging on the dashboard, so excited that he was able to revive this ancient car. I felt I, the I, joy. I think that goes back to what Anjo said, which is awesome. Is that this character wasn't afraid to let the new characters stand on their own? You know, it made us fall in love with these new characters. So even if there are eight million references to what happened, you know, in the first two movies you don't need those first two movies to enjoy this. Because the characters yep. are well-developed. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you know, these characters are in some way are kind of spiritual successors to the previous characters without being too similar that, you know, you just say like, oh, they're, they're knockoffs. They're not. Because mm-hmm. they're so different, but yet you still identify some of them with characters from the original movie. Because obviously, Egon is Phoebe, though. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, the way podcast was, the whole vibe, he kind of like gave me this whole um, uh, Dan Aykroyd vibe. That's yeah, awesome. yeah, he's oh. like Ray. He's just, yeah. he's just happy to be there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, he's the enthusiastic one. The one who gets overexcited about things. And we kind of mm-hmm, see mm-hmm. some of that in, in, in the later parts of the movie when 
the OG Ghostbusters come in. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, and and <laughs> I also guess can talk about that. And yeah. also uh, how you know uh, Peter was the ladies' man, although Trevor isn't there yet. You can kind of no. see that connection. <laughs> he's very far from actually getting the girl, but he's, he's on his way, I guess. And he I has a better hairline than Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. He did. I also did mention that Paul Rudd was kind of like the Rick Moranis of this movie. And, you know, like how Rick Moranis was like the bumbling idiot of the, the, the original franchise. Paul Rudd wasn't an idiot, but, you know, he was still kind of like... No, but I clumsy. like that Paul Rudd was like <laughs> the audience analog for anyone who grew up like, as a fan. Because Paul yes. Rudd is like totally a fanboy in this movie. Yes. Like yes, he when was. he first sees the Ghostbusters tech, he's like, oh, wow, cool replica. He doesn't know it's the real thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but honestly, you know, when you find a ghost trap, your first instinct should not be to open it. Oh, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> like, he knew what it was, but he still let these 10-year-old kids open it up <laughs> on school grounds. Uh, that was not smart. He's but the enabler. That's why, like… That's, that's that why wasn't I, smart, but I understand it. <laughs> he, you know, that's why I said he's not an idiot in a sense. And he's kind of an idiot in a different sense because of stupid things like these. <laughs> You know, it could, it could possibly be a jackpot. What if it was actually Slimer in there? Then that would be fun. You know, That's there true. are there That's are true. chances that it might have been Slimer for some weird reason. That's, I'll take yeah. the chance. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I, I like how the movie is absolutely shameless about the callbacks and the nostalgia. But somehow it doesn't feel offensive. They found a way to introduce these things organically into the story that they were trying to tell. No, because yeah, everything was so on the nose, but they're still kind of, they weren't forced in. They weren't mm, yeah. kind of shoehorned in. You weren't the movie, eye rolling just... it. Well, okay, I had to eye roll when, you know, um, the girl's dad asked them, who you going to call when <laughs> they were arrested. <laughs> hey, I like that. I like it, but that, if the whole movie was like that, we wouldn't find no. it so entertaining, I think. It, it wasn't. Well, because the whole movie was point. that. Yes, I agree. Okay, well, let, I, I also want to talk about like our favorite callbacks. I love that somehow we see the same villain from the first one. <laughs> yes. Not. I'm not just talking about… Um, I'm just… Not talking about the main demon or anything, the um, the Gozer. I'm not just talking about Gozers, because because yes, we will see Gozer again. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the little marshmallow man. <laughs> <laughs> they were so cute. I'm so happy that like, and we saw the marshmallows again. Because I just gotta share. Okay, um, I had to watch this again. I had to watch the older ones again because I thought like, oh, it's been years and years and years since I've seen um, th these movies. And maybe I'll appreciate Afterlife more if I get a refresher. And I totally did. When I watched the first one and saw the giant marshmallow man, I, I clearly remember as a little girl saying, what's the big deal with a giant marshmallow? Everybody could just like eat him and defeat him. That was that was little my completely unaware of the possibility of diabetes or you know <laughs> dangers then, of being crushed by a giant marshmallow by a gigantic stay puff man. Yeah, but I as a kid that visual of a giant marshmallow attacking New York City is iconic. <laughs> 
that's it even is. an earlier memory than Godzilla. It's, it's with so a big iconic. smile. Or, or King Kong, right? Because it, it's yeah. so cute. It's so fucking cute. It's, it's, so, it's so iconic so that people... stupid. That's why I love so it. It's so random. And if you remember how he came about, it was just because Ray was thinking of marshmallows. That's kind of stupid. <laughs> so, but you know, like it's so iconic that people still recreate that in photo shoots. Like mm-hmm. a friend of mine did a, a photo shoot for their for their baby as a Stay puff Marshmallow Man. Oh, <laughs> so cute! Yeah, they even had like the miniature fire hydrant. You know, mm-hmm. it's so cute. I, I I like in this movie with those little marsh the little Marshmallow Man. I like how fucking sadistic they are. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They're no, like no, no, gremlins, can, okay? They like, don't, they do not I, give a I, shit. It's like somehow you? they're even more evil than the giant they, ones. They're like they they're like they're not sadistic. They're also masochistic because you see them jumping on forks <laughs> and they're grills. cannibals. You know, they're making s'mores yeah. out of themselves. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, that's kind of like it's so weird. They're not. They weren't just sadistic. They were also masochistic. Like, I mean, okay. look, don't get me wrong. Clearly, they were designed to sell me toys, but. I kind of want them all. I don't care. It works. <laughs> I like the whole. I like the fact that you were like clear. They were designed to sell meat toys. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, well, and like you, meat. and you, fine. <laughs> but I don't buy Ghostbuster stuff. Not yet. <laughs> but huh. really, like Funko Pop, I think put out like sixteen different versions of those little marshmallow men in oh. various yeah, well, states of violence. <laughs> oh really my God. milking the cow, so mm-hmm. to speak. Ah. <laughs> uh. I, I would, but oh my god. They're amazing though. I know. They're amazing. And I was squealing. I, I, even, like, I even sent Misha a voice note as I was watching it. Did you, were you able to listen <laughs> to yes, that? Yes, I, I was, did. I was like, oh my god, the gigi, little marshmallow man. And I sent him a voice <laughs> note where I was just like, they're so cute. Because the mm-hmm. sounds they were making also were like, <laughs> like, like making these little chipmunk noises. Else smiling and stuff yes. while killing themselves and their other marsh fellow marshmallow men. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and also, can I just say Gozer's like hotter now? Because Gozer wasn't hot before. I'm, no. I was confused. Well, if you're Olivia Wilde. Yeah, I know, right? What the hell? <laughs> okay, Olivia uh, Wilde. We, but <laughs> we gotta address how, yes, it is Olivia Wilde because I was really fucking is. confused. I watched the movie. <laughs> I was sure it was Olivia Wilde. As soon as I saw her, I was like, oh my God, it's Olivia Wilde, yes. And then I saw, I was I looked for it in the credits. And then I was like, where where no, it's not her. Because somebody named Emma Portner is actually in the credits. I was like, what? I was well, so sure it was Olivia Wilde. But it's no. both it's, it's both correct. Yes. It's both correct. Emma Portner, mm-hmm. I guess, for the long shots, um, was the one doing all the movements for the character of Gozer, because you know, it's like a freaky, like Dancing. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. Emma Portner, by the way, is a professional dancer. Mm-hmm. I guess for the tight shots, they were using Olivia Wilde's face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Apparently, she's uncredited. So, yeah. That's another surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they wanted to keep it a surprise. I mean, I didn't even know Jake, like, she was in this or J.K. Simmons was in this. This movie <laughs> was, I mean, it was like, it's like fan service to the nth degree, but it still found ways to surprise you, honestly. Because, yeah. mm-hmm. What 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 Mai said earlier, like that ridiculous siren of the Ecto One, you know, that, that's just like there's a visceral response, like from my primordial brain, or even just hearing a proton pack power up. You know, these are like it's like a lightsaber powering up mm-hmm. to me because yeah. you know it it just triggers a response. But then 
this movie went the extra fucking mile and actually brought back the OGs. Uh, and I, I could not. Uh, I, I was this, just, oh my God. This is I, where I, I'm about uh, to cry. The, the point when they brought back the OGs was like, I thought it would be, it would have been just a cameo of Dan Aykroyd. When, mm-hmm. when they had that Which would have been call. fine. Yeah. Which would have been fine because, oh, mm-hmm. call back. Okay, they probably won't go with uh, the rest, the, the other three. And then… Yep. Climax happens, all you know, shit hits the fan, and you know, the world's going to end. The OG what, show up. Like, uh, what the fuck? And Bill Murray is being snarky, and Dan Aykroyd is just being, you know, happy obtuse. to do this. And, and 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 Winston, you know, Ernie Hudson, fine. Winston is just like trying to be grounded and keep everybody's feet on the ground, and. It was just great. That was just fucking great. It was amazing. I was screaming, honestly. Because <laughs> just um, something I also want to address about the OGs is that they weren't there just for the fan service. Just because. I actually love the whole backstory they added. added um, circling back to how they were setting um, Egon up to be this asshole, right? And mm-hmm. it made you wonder… 30 years uh, after the the last couple of movies. Yeah, what did happen and why was Egon alone? Why would he abandon them? Yeah, exactly. And they gave this heartbreaking story of, you know, the Ghostbusters not getting work anymore because they were able to save New York. And they had fights and how they moved on into different lives. And Egon was just like, they're still chasing whatever they did back then. And it mm-hmm. was just so heartbreaking, especially during that phone call. When Phoebe lands in jail and calls Ray, you hear that, oh, we just fell out. We had a mm-hmm. fight. I didn't believe him. Like he he just like went crazy and took everything. Yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. then how it all uh, ends up in the Oh my God, I'm going to cry. Okay, you continue, please. <laughs> no, but, I like the fact that, you know, like I did mention that it, this movie could be a standalone movie. Mm-hmm. But then it also picks up from the original movies, from where those original characters were coming from. Because in a sense, this kind of like, you know, like I've mentioned it so many times that this movie is a reintroduction to a new generation. It really is. It's because it closes the chapter of Egon Spangler. <laughs> it, rese- it restarts yes, the yes, whole it thing. Does. It does. With another Spangler. With mm-hmm. Phoebe Spangler. It's not even the mom. It's the granddaughter. Spangler. I agree with you completely. But I I like that for those of us who… It, it's not just for people who grew up on it. Because like I told you, my mother cried. <laughs> and she's been putting up with me watching this stuff for, yeah, 30 years now. <laughs> and um, I had a friend of mine who binged all three in the same day. And she cried. She has no history with this franchise. And I also have like… Um, the kid of a friend of mine, he's like nine years old. He was just crying his eyes out. He wasn't even alive when these movies came out, but the third one still hit him. And that, that I, I really appreciated that aspect of it. So when the OGs show up, that's just the fucking icing on the cake. Okay, Because yeah. it was already a good movie before that. Mm-hmm. But then they show up unannounced, essentially. But, you know, it just made so much fucking sense. It's the end of the world. Where else are these guys going to be? And of course, they're wearing their outfits and they got their gear and Bill Murray's being Bill Murray. You know, it was just awesome. It's fan service done the right way. 
Yeah. And then they took it a step further. Oh my god, I'm wait, I'm gonna when you said the, When you said the OGs were the freaking icing, you were wrong. This oh my is god. the fucking icing on the Oh cake. my god. Wait, I'm crying. So <laughs> legit, my even crying, guys. I don't this know is why. the part where I don't want to look at you. I don't want to look at you. You, this, yeah, you're gonna cry too. You're gonna uh, cry no, too. I'm not. No, this is the part where why? Because I was always Egon as a child because I had glasses. No, why don't I cry? <laughs> Fuck you. You cry. <laughs> no, it's just that the, the, the last part where they're all trying to you know cross the beams mm-hmm, with their proton mm-hmm. packs, which was the move that they did that Egon said wouldn't. Would kill them all, but ultimately told them to do it in the first movie. They do it here with Egon's granddaughter. Mm-hmm. And, and not Egon. only that, <laughs> Egon's ghost fucking shows up. I lost Egon's it. ghost shows up. I like, holy shit. You have but this, this, you have this point side. Where I cried. Yeah, you have this, like, um, you have this shot of the three of them side mm-hmm. view with their mm-hmm. proton packs struggling. And then you see also Phoebe as the fourth person coming into the, the shot. The fourth Ghostbuster. And then you see a ghost hand hold Phoebe's proton pack with her. And, and you the just sound drops know, out. You just fucking know it's Egon. It's Egon. <laughs> yep. And the sound effects drop out and you're just, you just get sucked into that moment where you see, again, it's the end of the world and there are four Ghostbusters again where there were just three. And holy shit, there's not a dry eye in the house. That, that was a great fucking moment. And, <laughs> and I never thought, I never thought I would cry on this podcast and never in a million years would I, would I have thought that it would be because of <laughs> Ghostbusters Afterlife. My God. Uh. No, it's just really, really great writing, you know. I, I did mean. not expect that, honestly. And did even, I? you know, I mean, he was there and it's even, it, it's fucking priceless when the other guys notice that their dead friend is there too. That was great. Where, you know, everyone does a double take to see like, holy shit, Egon's next to us. But it was such a heartwarming tribute. That moment and everything that happens after that moment, especially when you consider that um, Bill Murray and um, Harold Ramis actually didn't talk to each other for like 20 years after Groundhog Day. They fucking hated each other um, because they disagreed on what the tonality of that movie should be. Now it's a classic. And Bill Murray has admitted that he was an asshole. He was going through a divorce at the time, so he was just the worst on the set of Groundhog Day that Harold Ramis was directing. And Harold Ramis passed away in 2014. But around 2010, when he knew he was sick, Bill Murray deliberately went to his old friend's house and they made peace before he died. So the fact that Bill Murray would take part in this movie, in Afterlife, after literally 25 years of saying no to Ghostbusters 3, um, that really said a lot about how much they love this guy. And it shows, honestly. Yeah. And not just that. Even story-wise, when they set up Egon to actually die within the first five minutes. That that shocked Mm -hmm. me. I mean, even knowing Mm -hmm. that Harold has already passed away and I thought that that was probably the natural way to to portray things. Yeah, I thought Mm -hmm. that was it. That was the end of uh, us seeing Egon because they wrote 
they literally wrote him mm. off in the first mm. five seconds. And it was shocking mm-hmm. to me. But like, okay, let's continue. But then mm-hmm. you fucking see him in the end. <sighs> yes. You know what else is better? It, it, it's, it's so much better that it was Ivan Reitman who, who played Egon for, for this scene. For parts of it, yeah. Just, Just the, yeah. But that, that was great. Um, it was actually only the hand part. He played a hand double for Ghost Egon's hand, while the rest mm-hmm. of of it was uh, Bob Gunton, uh, who was yes. in Shawshank Redemption. But uh, actually, they, props to him. Like ne- nobody ever saw his face. They actually um, VFX Harold uh, Ramey's face into it, like an aged version. But uh, yeah, but uh, Ivan Reitman had the most important shot. That hand was mm-hmm. the winner. That's where everybody broke down that, because we all knew that was Egon. That's when mm-hmm. everybody's br- breath stopped. Yeah. Like, oh yes, my God, absolutely. No. That was incredible. Part, I think if you did it in a different way, it wouldn't be as impactful. Yeah. But that, that hand is like… <gasps> and I, I no. think also it helps that they didn't make him talk. Yeah. Because mm. that would have ruined the illusion. Yes. 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 I completely agree. Yes. You know, like… And, and he could say so much more with a look. Like props to the VFX team, whoever fucking animated this. And I know that's why they needed Bob Gunton on the set. Because they needed… To get the emotionality of the scene across. Mm-hmm. So they needed a reference. And mm-hmm. they pulled it off beautifully. Like Bob Gunton was fucking evil in the Shawshank Redemption. But here, it, he just really sells it. You know, you're seeing your dead friend. You're seeing your dead father. You're seeing your dead grandfather. Who you never even met. And it's the moment that the entire film has been building up to. And you didn't even know it. And it just works beautifully. In, in fact, Gozer is secondary at that point. Because you know you know they're gonna win, <laughs> but you don't you don't care anymore because oh my god, right there that's Egon, and it was great. Oh my god, oh, I, I can't believe I'm still crying. <laughs> it's okay. What the hell? And it, it it gets added resonance when you take into consideration that as we're recording this, um, Ivan Reitman actually just passed away a couple of days ago. So that's you know. He, but before he died, can you imagine how that must feel? Like he saw yeah. his legacy continued by his son. His movie was a number one movie again. You know, it's like the number one movie on Blu-ray and streaming now. And this you is know, the everyone's excited again. This is the greatest passing of the torch story ever. Like symbolically like, in the movie. Shit. And then, you know, from Ivan to Jason Reitman. Mm-hmm. I, you know, like as being, I would love to be in, you know, to pick the brain of Jason Reitman and ask him, like, straight up, like, what was it like working with your father? How much did he learn from his dad? Because you mentioned that he was never into blockbusters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But his first blockbuster was amazing. Yep. And he worked with his dad. And it, it was a family project. And mm-hmm. the funny thing is, if you look at BTS shots of like Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2, you're going to see shots of like young Ivan, a uh, young Jason Reitman playing with the guys. He was a kid growing up on those sets. And even Bill Murray joked about it. He's like, oh, there's that Brad again. But now we got to listen to what he says. <laughs> but, All but the backstory is making me cry even more. It's <laughs> just incredible the amount of love in this movie and then they tie it off with that bow at the end where it says there's a dedication on screen for Harold and like bloody hell like it's impossible not to cry at the last 10 minutes of this movie (sighs) 
okay, I'm sure we've all enjoyed this movie, you know, but um, we've raved about so much about the movie itself, you know, and the characters in it. But would you guys have changed anything or would you guys have done anything differently for this movie? Um, something that I'd like to change, actually, because um, I would have liked if Janine was around to see Egon's ghost. Oh, honestly. Yeah. Because yeah. they always yeah. had that will they or won't they thing that even extended the, into was... their cartoon and even into the Extreme Ghostbusters cartoon. Yes, yes, there was always tension between the two of them. I clearly, yeah. I clearly remember um, watching Extreme Ghostbusters and really shipping them so hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they just had this chemistry. So, which was weird to me when I rewatched the second one and Janine hooked up with, um, what's his face? With Lewis. Yeah, with Lewis. With Rick Moranis, which I, I hated. Even as a kid, I didn't like that. Yeah, it was, it was Janine weird. Janine Egon. Janine and Egon forever. Yeah. I, I, I think Harold Ramis justified it at some point because people have been asking about that. How come we didn't end up with Janine? You wrote this. What, what the hell, man? Um, he said that Egon, you know, would not know how to deal with a human relationship. You know, he's like man of science. That's what he understands. So I guess that kind of feeds into why he wouldn't know how to deal with having a daughter either. Well, Sabagay, like if you put this story into account of how he abandoned his family, right. it would actually even be more heartbreaking if it was his family with Janine. Oh, yeah. The bus. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's na horrible. But then lang siguro, I guess. But um, along, along the lines of that, if there was also something I would change, it was probably how they gave redemption to Egon as the absentee father. So uh, you have the, the, the daughter, the mom, absolutely loathing him from the start. She didn't mm-hmm. give a shit about him because that's how right. she felt all these years. Like, he didn't give a shit mm-hmm. about me. I'm just, I just want to like take his house or whatever he left. Because I don't have anything. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I don't even give a shit about all his um, antiques and toys and like uh, trinkets and whatnot. Like, I don't even give a fuck. Like, I, I would just like give them away. But how they kind of like tie it together to show that, no, he wasn't a complete asshole. He was still keeping track of your life. Mm-hmm. I just wish it wasn't I just wish all the memorabilia of his daughter wasn't in a fucking wall like a like a stalker. <laughs> yeah. No, that but, was but, like, that was like my only gripe about it because I would have loved to see that like yes Egon did care about you all these years but like in that collage it's like he's stalking her or it looks like one of those Things you see in crime movies where you're like putting together the suspects and all the evidence, you maybe, know? Maybe you could get something more if there was an extended cut. Because this, I don't know, like the editing was just maybe for time's, time's sake. I mean, maybe, but I think it's more of a production design thing. It, you, there is a less creepy way of keeping dra- track of your daughter's life. Like a freaking scrapbook would be fine. <laughs> yeah. But- or something, not a creepy stalker wall. And yeah. in, in that bit, can I just say the stuff that takes place in the farm's basement where Egon's little secret headquarters, I really liked it when his ghost was just helping out Phoebe, pointing yeah. out clues oh, that, and stuff. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. I thought that's all we were going to get. I didn't expect to see the guy at the end. <sighs> and it was just, yeah, that was something else. But but for me, if I, if I could change something, honestly, um, and I have to be 100% objective here, I loved seeing the OG guys. But there's no explanation for how the hell they got there, where they got their gear, or where the fuck they found jumpsuits. Because Egon stole everything, remember? Yeah. He took everything. 
but they <laughs> show up and they look like, you know, okay, we're here. Let's do Ghostbusters 3. And they have their own shit. And they have their own shit. Like, did they pass by Egon's secret bunker, get their stuff, and then come out? Like, okay, okay, it looks desperate now. Let's let, let's let's make our big entrance now. Did they wait? Because like when they when when Phoebe and the mom and everybody arrived on the farm, they didn't see another car parked there. There, there was nothing else. <laughs> that that so, that was actually my main gripe about it. Was that ooh, they showed up out of the blue. Is that Doctor Strange suddenly port them into there with this <laughs> wavy wheel circle, circle portal thing? That's true because like you also spent a considerable amount of time with uh, the family driving mm-hmm. so far to get yep. to that fucking farm. Yep. It took them yep. days. They went to motels. Well, well, they do have Winston's resources. He might have and had maybe a Maybe he's got jet. a private jet. I don't know. <laughs> he's a rich they, guy now. They took a yep. private jet to that state and then took a car. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, An invisible car. Yeah. Um, another uh, gripe I guess I have. It's just a minor detail. But I remember um, while Phoebe was talking to Ray while she was in jail. Uh, Ray was telling her about how uh, the Ghostbusters broke up and everything. He said something about the firehouse now being a Starbucks. That is true. Cut that to is true. the end uh, the post credit scene where you see abandoned Starbucks. Yeah, it, it's not even a, it didn't even look like a Starbucks. It just looked like an abandoned firehouse. It's like nothing happened. Like maybe Winston. Winston is shady too. Like you know the bad. <laughs> uh, well, maybe Winston bought out the Starbucks and threw them out. Or maybe maybe like halfway through the edit they realized that hey we're making a good fucking movie. We should put a post credits tag on this thing. And, for, and, and totally the, forgot the, about the Starbucks. Maybe thing. they but, shot the post credits after they filmed the movie and tested audiences for it. Possibly. Because yeah. I, I really like the post credits scene in that they incorporated a bit of deleted footage from the first movie that showed Egon and Janine just being sweet before they go off to fight Gozer. Mm-hmm. Where she gives him her lucky coin. Yeah. And they actually incorporate something that's cool. They incorporated um, bits from the first Ghostbusters cartoon, the real Ghostbusters, where Winston was the one who just loved the car. That was his baby. And you never really saw that in the movies, but they added it in here for nerds like me to appreciate. (laughs) And even like one of the ghosts um, from when the ghosts are running all over through across the town was actually a toy I can remember having. This one-eyed ghost who could shoot his eye and it would still be connected by the stalk. And you know, (laughs) to see that thing in a movie... 30 years later, I'm like, holy shit, a bunch of nerds made this one. <laughs> so I guess I can forgive the inconsistencies. It's mm-hmm. un- Actually, I was more annoyed from a writing perspective by Ray just telling everything of the last 30 years in a 90-second info dump to a complete stranger on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> True. Because it's kind of lazy, but yeah, okay, I'm, I, I'm on board. I don't care anymore. Because <laughs> no, by that time, you, you're already loving this movie. So. Yeah. yeah. So you're There's pretty already- much sold. Everyone's yeah, so gosh darn charming in this movie. And um, speaking of post credit scene, you were… You, okay, we are at the end of the movie. We're at the closing billboard and you see all the names in graphics. <laughs> and right. so they, they enumerate all the original Ghostbusters. And then at the mm-hmm. end, Sigourney Weaver's name comes out. And I was like, huh? <laughs> Where? So I was like, did I miss something? What the hell? Why did I not see her? And then the other cut to… post-credit scene. Yes, cut to that post-credit scene with Sigourney Weaver doing the little test, 
the card test the thing. <laughs> the telepathy test. Yes, the telepathy <laughs> best, the test Peter was doing at the first movie. Trying to right. score chicks. And now mm-hmm. she turned it around and she's doing that to Peter. I, I love so that. Cute. I love that so much because it's, you know, it's gone full circle now. That we're yep. ending the story of the OGs and we end it when we first get introduced to Peter. It's also nice that, you know, that 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 Peter and Dana, Sigourney Weaver's character, actually ended up together. Yes, yeah. I was so happy about that. And they still have that chemistry. It, yes. Is, yes. it is jumping off the screen. But I have one question though. What happened to Oscar? Maybe he can be he a Ghostbuster a in the next one. I don't know. He'd be like 30 now. Holy crap. Yeah, right? So like what happened to Oscar? I would he love would to know. He would be 33 now. What the shit? Damn. Oh yeah, he would be 33 now. Yeah, creepy. If his birthday was in January. Maybe he's still… What if like he still got some Vigo left in him? Ooh. Nah. It's all no, bad. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No, no. Because that, that whole thing ended when they killed off J.K. Simmons and closed up the portal with, you know… Gozer. Yeah, but you know, the movie <laughs> does end with the Ecto-1 going back to New York with its demented siren. I'm and guessing there are more ghosts <laughs> in the and, past 38 but, years since, you know. What, what you said about coming full circle. So like the movie at the beginning is Ghostbusters Afterlife. But at the end, when the Ecto-1 is going across the Brooklyn Bridge and the logo hits the screen and the OG theme song plays, it's just Ghostbusters. It doesn't say Afterlife anymore. Oh, I thought it would say after afterlife. After after no, just, no, no, doesn't, no, yeah, no, doesn't no, okay. no. So I'm just like they're like, okay, we're back. Let's do some shit. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we did as it may. We had minor gripes in this movie. I think it's safe to say that we've all enjoyed this whole thing. Just for formality's sake. <laughs> for formality's sake, I have to ask this question: Would you recommend this movie for others? No, because you're gonna cry. Just kidding. <laughs> If you're wearing makeup, maybe not. I'll say yes because you're gonna cry. <laughs> Make sure that makeup is waterproof, okay? There mm-hmm. you go. You have warnings from my. <laughs> <laughs> that mascara is gonna drip. Yeah, aren't you glad you didn't see it in public? Oh my god, I couldn't even imagine. Like, okay, if if I still consider pandemic times and I see it in the theater with how much I cried, I do <coughs> not know how I would have done it with a mask on. I would have passed out. Just <laughs> <was> like… <laughs> when you sent us that selfie, I was like, Oh my god, she bawled out. She bawled her eyes out. <laughs> oh, my eyes sent them a selfie and my eyes were Weird. so red. Because oh I, was, I just really wasn't expecting to feel so many feelings. <laughs> yeah. How, who knew seeing one hand could, you know, trigger waterworks? <laughs> I have um, a question. What? So like… Isn't that a conflict of interest if your best friend is now a ghost and you're a ghost buster? No. Slimer! Uh, no, but then it was closer. Fair enough. He, yeah, but yeah. But you know, if he didn't, you know, evaporate at the end, wouldn't they have to blast him out of principle? Out of principle, but then because Egon's a <laughs> ghost buster, he would have left by himself. Because his task on Earth was done. Yes. God, <sighs> Casper rules. What? (laughs) Casper rules. Unfinished business. Moving forward, I don't need to see the old guys anymore. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. They should just do stuff with Phoebe and maybe keep Winston as their bankroll. I don't know. (laughs) Or Janine to run the office. But otherwise, we don't need to see the guys. Their story's done. Yeah. Yeah, Those guys don't have Horcruxes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Question is moving forward, 
Will we be seeing Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig? No. <laughs> Leslie please. Jones. I, I, I think I, we can I, all agree that that Ghostbusters was not okay. canon. I love the it, cast it, it, of that of that. I also love the cast. Movie. Maybe not Melissa McCarthy so much anymore, but I love the cast of that movie. But that movie was just one giant letdown. Like, well, it, in my opinion, it was still fun. It's just not canon. I, yeah. I didn't hate it. Yeah, Honestly, I didn't hate it either. I, I gave it a good review. I'm not going to lie. I, I gave it a good review because I enjoyed it for what it was. But I also will contend that nobody's going to be quoting it in 40 years. Yes. Nobody's yeah, going to be trying true. to make no, a sequel to it. Because the way I saw it, the first 10 minutes, I was like, oh, it's it starts off the same way. The, well, Kinda, the tone, yeah. not, not, yeah. not scene per scene, but the you know, there are certain moments you could actually mirror with the first movie. It's like, oh, they're just kind of like, changing things around, but it's essentially the first movie. Yeah, I, I, and it's very different in tone and writing because as yes. for the first two movies and this last one, the writing was more, I would, I don't know, um, it was more of them trying to tell a good story with added humor in between. But for the 2016 one, you know they were just like gunning for the humor because like it was mm. just like jokes on jokes on jokes on jokes, mm. and, and which were funny. And it did work with that cast, but it's just so different in tone. So I yeah, just want to look at it as not canon, talaga. Yeah, because it's not the one thing. Uh, it's not like the first, the first movie, or mm-hmm. even the second one. That it's rewatchable. This one's like you know was, a one and done. It was a lot of slapstick, mm-hmm. and I, I think what really got to people because like if you watch the first one more than the second one, honestly, the first one, it's like such a well balanced script. Yes. Mm-hmm. Even, exactly. even when Bill Murray is riffing, is improving his lines, he keeps it within the context of what's going on. Yes. But yes. in the new one, when they're riffing, you can tell that they're riffing because it nine times out of ten has nothing to do with anything happening in the yeah. scene. It yes. doesn't yep. add anything. It's just them yep. trying to throw everything out and then let's see what's mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. So yep. so the original, the canon Ghostbusters to me felt more like, yes, we have this well thought out story and then we add jokes in between. Mm-hmm. But then I feel like the 2016 one, given its cast of all comedians, was really made to be a comedy down pat. Like the horror element, the, the, the Ghostbusters thing just was the afterthought to the comedy. And- and in, in the old one, there was like contrast between the different characters. You could tell each one by their personality and all that. Even like if you look at the original cartoon, they look nothing like their movie counterparts. But you can tell who each one is by their mannerisms, by mm. their personalities. In the 2016 one, every single one of them was the wacky one. Yep. Well, maybe it was just Leslie Jones who was kind of the sarcastic one. She's like literally the only one I can tell apart from the others. No, I, I kind of thought that Leslie Jones was the hard-ass wacky one. There was the smart wacky one. There was the ridiculous wacky one who was Kate McKinnon. And then there was the OA or overacting wacky one who was Melissa McCarthy. So they're all kind of wacky like, on, and, on different tones. Like it, And, you know, they weren't even trying to make it scary or even make it seem dangerous. Compare when the kids are trying the equipment for the first time, when they turn on the proton pack, when they Boom. open the trap, when <laughs> they fire the gun happen. for the first time. Compare Dude, the that to car chase was so Melissa dangerous. McCarthy turning it on for the first time and she's just flying everywhere and cursing and you're like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we didn't have that in the first movie. Yeah, we did. We like, sure so if they don't care about their safety, the and if everything they do has no consequences, why why should we care? They literally killed Bill Murray's cameo guy. Oh yeah, that was weird. That's why I say it's no can not canon too, because Bill Murray was in it, but not as his old character. Apparently, Sony threatened him. They, the they threat Sony threatened all the original cast to be in that movie as cameos. Otherwise, they would do something with their royalties from the so, first two movies. This is why big, you know, big studios suck sometimes. That's why they went on Tonight Show. They went on Late Night saying how great this movie would be. And we're so happy to be a part of it. But now, six years later, they're all like, yeah, that wasn't such a good idea. And they're happy to have made this one. Yeah, so I'm glad that happened. At least, so at least, as much as I enjoyed the 2016 one, especially the whole climax of kicking Ghost's ass and Chris Hemsworth being just so downright stupid but adorable. <laughs> I love Chris Hemsworth as a himbo. He, he was, I, I cannot. Uh, I, I have no complaints about Chris Hemsworth. He was amazing. Ah, uh, the thirst is on. But <laughs> as yes, moron. He was an amazing moron. Uh, and the dancing—it's so ridiculous. But yes, but, I'm glad our last memory of Ghostbusters is Afterlife. Mm-hmm. Yes. I have a question though, because you did say that, you know, Ghostbusters 2016 is not canon. It's not. Is Ghostbusters, is Extreme Ghostbusters canon? Yes, Egon's in it. I say it is, because like, okay, it's a continuation of the real Ghostbusters cartoon, and that was a continuation of the movies, because they refer to stuff that happens in the yeah, movies. Yeah, because the OG still appeared in the Extreme Ghostbusters uh-huh. in that yes. crossover, in uh-huh. that two part. Yes, right? uh-huh. with the same voices that they used in the 80s. So I can live with that. It's mm-hmm. totally. Okay. And b- before we close off, there's actually one more bit of Ghostbusters canon that a lot of people actually forget about, or maybe they just didn't see it. It was Ghostbusters, the video game. It came out on Xbox 360 and the PS3. It got remastered a couple of years ago. So now it's on PS4. It's on Switch. I have it on Switch. It's awesome. Um, Ghostbusters, the video game, was actually, for the longest time, the closest thing we had to a Ghostbusters 3. Because Bill Murray kept saying no for like 20, 25 years. I'm not going to do a Ghostbusters 3. I hate, I, hate, I hate Harold Ramis. I don't want to put on that heavy backpack again and all that stuff. But... Everybody agreed to do Ghostbusters the video game. So all their voices are in it. Even the douchebag government guy who shut them down in the first movie, he's in it. Sigourney Weaver's not in it, but for some reason, um, Alyssa Milano is as Peter's love interest. It's kind of weird. But but it's set in 1993. Okay, so everybody, it's age appropriate for everybody at the time. And you play a new Ghostbuster who joins the team. So it's just an excuse to have you test out all the equipment and you learn the ropes and everything. And it's good stuff. It was written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis, same as the first two movies. So everybody involved, they say Ghostbusters 2 video game is canon. If you can find it, track it down. It's awesome. So what happens to the fifth Ghostbuster? Um, They don't even give him a name. um, Because just as you're about to introduce yourself in the video game, Bill Murray says to you, says, no, no, no names. We we might get attached to this one. Because they also make you the guy who tests out all their equipment. So you get to use alternate blast modes and all that stuff. So at some point, it might kill you. So they don't want to get attached. And you wish it was you. But yeah, there's lots of good (laughs) stuff. It's it's really cool. Ghostbusters is a video game. And yeah. Okay. I think that's a great testament to our love of the movie, Ghostbusters Afterlife. And Misha's love for (laughs) all things Ghostbusters. Um, Once again, we are the (laughs) Subo (laughs) Poopies. 
<laughs> Once again, we are the Subway Tours. If you want to catch us online, you can check us out on Instagram um, at sub underscore tours. We are on Facebook at Subway Tours. And we have a Facebook group if you guys want to reach out, talk about some movies we like. Sub we are on Facebook. We have a Facebook group called Sub Tours. We like movies. So if you have any thoughts and feelings, let's know. Once again, we are the Sub Tours. I am Anjo. And I'm Misha. Alright, Misha's holding his belt on back. Oh, yes, okay. I am. Excuse me, guys. I'm gonna go blast Quick, turn it up, turn it up, turn it up. He's gonna I blast Dexter. Oh, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Hold it up to your mic. We want to hear that thing. Oh, wait. Damn, but the battery's are low. What the hell? My dude. Egon no, will no, not right. be proud of you. No, he will he not. Will haunt you. He will haunt you. He will haunt you. I Ghostbusters tank. I thought you would have been more prepared. Two Hello. seconds. Hold on. Let's see how this thing works. Without oh, seeing batteries. I know, right? Let's see. Ah, cool. It's <laughs> just showing off his story. Yes, yeah. I am. <laughs> oh, right. Where's the. <laughs> God damn it, this thing. It's just so fun. I know, it really is. Nerd. Yes, yes I am. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.